Nice defense by Simmons. Fultz teeing up a three. And the crowd tells you the story about it. Welcome, everybody. This is Derek Bodner along with Rich Hoffman on this week's Sixers Beat, a part of the CLNS Media Network. That audio you previously he- heard, courtesy of NBC Sports Philadelphia. How you doing, Rich? I'm good, man. I saw Markel Fultz hit a three-pointer. We saw live basketball. We saw Markel Fultz shoot. We saw Landry Shamit shoot. We saw Furka and Korkmaz just Furkin shoot the hell out of the ball. It was a pretty good night at the Wells Fargo Center. And it is nice to be back. It is very nice to be back. It is nice to be back. And, I, you know, you had a tweet last night that wasn't a video, but it did read as like a paragraph-long summary of something I was sitting right next to you that we both said to each other that, wow, that's the best shooting workout I've ever seen from Markel. Well, that's – I mean, if I had seen him in Washington, I'm sure it would have been fine. But since he's been with the Sixers, you, me and you were like, man, that looks pretty good. And and then we both said, I, after you sent the tweet, you go, oh, well, now he's going to go out there and he's going to airball three shots and it's going to be terrible. Not even airball no. three shots. I wasn't too worried about airballing three shots. I was scared of him not taking shots Um, because after I sent out that tweet, yeah, I got a little nervous that maybe I had raised expectations and that wouldn't be met in game. And I still think it's worth reporting on what happens in practices. Like, I, th- I think step one is getting the form down and the repetition down. And step two is kind of turning that into game action and having the confidence to do that in game. So I, I probably don't regret sending the tweet, but I was, I was a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. And well, he came out. That's what we saw. We saw him make a few threes and he brought it into the game. Right, right. There have been two practice moments in our careers covering the Sixers. One was when Joel Embiid was working out, and you said, if he's ever healthy, this thing's over. And the second one was those are mostly normal jump shots. Um, those have been <laughs> the two defining practice moments of our Sixers writing career. But it was a monumental step. And he came out and right away was taking them from the perimeter. You know, obviously, going back to against uh, Melbourne, tr- trying to work <laughs> my pronunciation, still can't do it. But going back to the game against United, I'll take the easy way out. You know, when you were preparing for that game, I stopped and went, you know, not having Josh Boone in the lineup is going to be big for them. And I stopped myself and I went, oh, well, they're probably going to be able to walk through the paint whenever they want against this team. And you got the impression that they were always two passes away from a layup. And yeah, Markel certainly passed open jump shots. He passed up open jump shots to then take more difficult contested layups and floaters, and that was concerning. But you wanted to see what he would do against a real NBA team. And I lose use that kind of loosely against the Magic, but they are a real NBA team. They compete in the National Basketball Association. So, you know, on the one hand, Melbourne was the easiest competition they're going to face all year. On the other hand, it was also his first game. So there were reasons why he should have been gunning a little bit more, but also reasons why you could see him being a little hesitant maybe. And he got 
a little bit of swagger right at the end of the third quarter when he made those two free throws, then shot those two pull-up jumpers, and you wondered whether or not that would carry over to the next game against real NBA competition and against NBA competition that has some rim protectors, even though they start Vucevic, you know, they have some young athletes, some young size, some young length. And for him to come out, it was amazing. I went back and I rewatched the game this morning. And I think in the first six minutes, Joel Embiid had about 10 points and four rebounds. And the entire talk of, of, of us on press row, the entire talk of the arena, the entire talk of Sixers Twitter was that Mark L. Fultz took two jump shots, two jump shots, only one of which went in completely eclipsed Joel Embiid just dominating the magic and whoever they threw at him. And to be honest, it was a little bit deservedly so for him to go out there. You know, he took that one corner three off the transition push from, from Simmons. And he missed it. And at first it kind of looked a little off. Like it, 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 it looked like not a great attempt. And I think when I went back and rewatched it, it was more that it just came up short. And then two or three minutes later, he came back and he drilled that corner three. I think overall he shot about five for 10 on jump shots on the evening because I think he was five for 12 from the field. And I think two of his misses were at the rim when he got a, you know, he got blocked. So I think he shot five for 10 on jump shots, most of them outside of the paint, four of them from uh, from three-point range, shot really well from mid-range, had a couple of shooters rolls in there, but he's stepping into shots, he's taking shots, he's taking shots off the dribble, he's taking shots off the catch, and if you were looking for anything, it, it's it's funny, I think I, I, I went back and I rewatched his first game, he probably played a better overall game, the first preseason game than he did the second, but the second one is much more exciting because it, it directly addressed the one weakness and the one hesitance he had in playing, and it was it was it was good to see. It was it was great to see. I like Brett's reaction after the game. He was like, "How many did he shoot? Four, four threes? And then somebody's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Yeah, that's great. Just keep shooting them." Yeah. Uh, and you know, it, it's kind of along the lines of what we said. We just want to see them go up. I I don't really even care if they go in yet. It's just the the fact that he wasn't passing up shots and. Brett had said before in the in the preseason and training camp that in the open gyms in September, Markell had not been passing up shots. And against Melbourne, he kind of was. And I, I think a decent part of that, it's just like when you watch like the USA uh, national team play, when you're so much more talented than the other team, sometimes you want to overpass because you think you can get any shot. And I think there might have been a level of that too, because like you said, if they threw three passes, they were getting a layup against against Melbourne. Um, yeah, and especially my God, Ben Simmons, they guarded him with Casper Ware, which was just crazy. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I know they don't really have NBA athletes on that team, but uh, Simmons, he was living in the paint. Yeah, it was just it was just great to see. I you know it, it seems like as we said, it's still not all the way there the shot, but God, the form on the pull ups looks pretty good, and now it's just about refining it to a level where it becomes consistent and getting even more confident in it. But yeah, it's like you said, I thought he played a better game the first night. He uh, he had some great passes to Embiid, although he made a really really nice move last night. Getting into the paint, he gave Muscala a wide open corner three that Muscala bricked. But yeah, just watching him shoot and shoot from three. Man, think about how many times you asked for a Sixers mailbag question this summer. 
And one of the questions was, who makes a three first, Simmons or Fultz? Well, didn't take us long to get our answer. No, and if, even if you want to extend that to the regular season, it's pretty clear who is more comfortable pulling up from range. And the fact that we can say that, you know, I think if you go back, you know, he is – you go back to Washington, I would put his form at maybe like a 7 out of 10. Like he was never a, a form, a pure form shooter. That's not what he did. But he rose up confidently. He had an almost un- unblockable shot from the mid-range, and he could shoot it over top of you, and he put a ton of pressure on the defense because of that. And that opened up those drives to the basket. He really was a three-level scorer because of his ability to shoot, because of his his size and speed and quickness and his ball handling. So if you look at his shot now, is it perfect? No. It wasn't perfect at Washington, and it's not back to where it was at Washington. But if he was a seven at Washington, I think what we were seeing in practice pregame, you know, was probably a solid six. Like he was probably 90% of Washington in practice. It's a little bit different of a shot too, it's, because it's a lower release. It's not. It is. It is. Uh, it, the form at Washington wasn't, uh, the type of, you know, it wasn't that easy to replicate it, but because he got so much elevation on it, it was unblockable. So it was like a seven, but functionally it might have been like an eight or a nine. Right. Uh, now it seems like he's trying to get a more, I think there's a higher ceiling for how clean this form could eventually be, but it doesn't seem like he's going to be able to get the same elevation on it. Right. I do worry a little bit. Like you said, it's a much lower release point. There are things that we will, I'm sure, pick apart as we get more reps and more sample. But I think the key is it's, it's, even if he would have come out and bricked all of his shots in the game, what I would have seen in practice was said, okay, look, they addressed the issues he had last year he's making progress on the issues now whether or not he needs to get that back into game shape you know, in game form is just repetition whether that's confidence i don't entirely know like he might he might just need a lot more repetition he'll gain some confidence and he'll be able to use it but i at least felt like he, they were in the going in the right direction and i think we all hope that was the case when he worked with drew hanlon i think we all respected drew hanlon but now to see that in practice i would have been happy just there but to see it now where he's confident enough, because that's really what we were concerned about after the first game was confidence, that he's now confident enough to do that in a game setting. It is, you know, ever since we saw the first training camp practice last year, it's just been one big question. What is going on? And in many respects, that's still a question. And Sixers Twitter and Reddit and fandom is still split on that. But the key point is, this is the most confident we've felt in that jumper at any point over the last 12 months. When the Sixers, you know, Sam Hinkie left Brian Colangelo, really a treasure trove, treasure trove of assets. And they cashed a lot of them in on Markel. And you still have to kind of squint a little bit, but you can see that picture. You can see that blueprint coming into focus. And it's, it's just such a better feeling knowing that progress has been made. And look, there's going to be, I'm sure there's going to be some times where he's going to struggle. I'm sure there's going to be some times where, you know, maybe it's, 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 he's going to be hesitant to shoot. There might be some reversion. I think this is going to be a process and maybe don't get caught up in the ups and downs and and try to stay in the middle and you'll, you'll probably be best. But I think the key is that we now have reason to believe that that progress is going in the right direction. And it might end up being more like a scatter point than a straight line. But I think the key is that there is evidence it's going in the right direction. That, I mean, I mean that is that is fantastic. That is is really good. We said for forever it's going to be a process, 
And I think those lower expectations are part of the reason why we were, we were so positive today. In terms of, you know, moving up and, you know, checklists and taking steps to getting back to, you know, normal NBA form, that was a big one for him because we, we flat out didn't know. We, we really hadn't seen him shoot, uh, all that much. What do you think the, uh, and this is kind of in the broader team context, uh, context now. It was pretty stunning on Friday night when Brett Brown came out and said he's starting. Completely. I mean, you go back to, so I guess part of where, you know, you brought up our lowered expectations and a lot of that was over the course of the summer, particularly late summer. I just didn't believe anything I was told or anything that was reported. Well, that was told directly to me or reported by somebody else. I just I, – I didn't believe it. Well, um, and, and the other thing too is the difference of opinions over watching the same thing on that, even drastic. with people who don't have malicious intent. Like if people are just actually trying to eyeball it, the difference in opinions you could get are crazy. Completely. I mean we, we sat there and we watched – he was doing form shooting on the baseline with Drew Hanlon. And I think if he would have done that like two months ago, somebody looked at that and said, wow, he's not even shooting right now. And we would have been like, wow, he's rebuilding his base. And you could have walked away with two completely different opinions of a, a relatively simple drill. So I agree with you there. And that's part of the reason why we didn't necessarily – yeah, and part of it was also like, hey, we're in late August. Like why listen when we're going to see him in a couple of weeks anyway? But I think you're right. We came in with lower expectations. And we also, I think I, – I, J.J. Redick – and maybe we should have noticed – you know, when he mentioned on, I think it was on the Zach Lowe podcast, that he may have, you know, considered coming off the bench for the Pacers. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe we should have thought, hey, did that conversation come up in, you know, with the Sixers? And I'm still stunned. I don't necessarily agree with that decision. I don't think it's the best lineup they can throw out there. I don't think it's the best mix of players. And I think with, you know, three guys in Markel, Ben, and Joel, where spacing is going to be so very important. You know, I, I, I still think that JJ Redick puts more pressure on defense than either Covington or, or Dario. But in Covington's case, he's such a, such an important part of your defense that it would be tough to take him out. You know, I think on the one hand, I think we were right and that we didn't think it would be Covington to come out of the starting lineup if Markel worked his way back. On the other hand, in no world did I think it was going to be J.J. Redick. I'm still a little dubious whether it is the right decision, but it is uh, – it, it seems like what they're going to roll with. And it seems like this isn't just a thing to show Markel that you have confidence in him because let's be honest. If you, you, you can show Markel confidence now. If against Boston here in two weeks he comes out and he just gets completely stifled, that confidence that you showed in him is gone. Like you have to put him in a spot where you think he can succeed – Otherwise, confidence is a very short-term game. Gain. So, you know, clearly I think Brett is going to roll with this unless it doesn't work. I think it's a little bit risky of a decision. But, I mean, by the same token with what he showed the other night, maybe Brett's right. I don't know. I don't know. I, I still I still would like to see JJ in there to spread the floor. But uh, it is it is nice to have Reddick come in and, and provide that spark. I admire it, even if I don't think it's the right decision. It's gutsy. It is very gutsy. I mean, they're breaking up the best high minutes lineup in the league last year. We know that that lineup works. And you can't, you know, I think, uh, if we were looking at this four years ago, it would be a no brainer to throw all these guys together because there were no expectations on the team. Right. I, I looked something, I looked something up. 
the Sixers played and, and Brett Brown played Jaleel Okafor and Nerlens Noel 700 minutes yep. together three years ago, which was something you knew as soon as they drafted them was not going to work. And that was beyond a disaster. So the fact that their stated goal this year is to play in the NBA Finals, for them to to work on this kind of long-term problem, not I don't want to say it's necessary, it doesn't have to be a problem, it could be a solution, but this long-term issue of fitting their three best players together, it's, it's ballsy to do that right away with basically no proof that it's going to work. And I know Brett mentioned uh, there was a really good lineup off the bench last year, that is now the first Sixers lineup off the bench. It uh, it just had Bellinelli last year, and now it's JJ Redick, who is a better basketball player than Bellinelli. Hot take. And does and does a lot of the same things. But it, it's just it's you're playing against starters, and I, and I know the Sixers they're big on staggering their stars, and their substitution patterns are different than pretty much anybody in the NBA. But it, it's it's ballsy. I and the other thing too is I. I'll be interested to see how it affects Redick. It, it seems like he wasn't bothered too much by it. It seems like he's a very team-first guy in this regard, and he's obviously a big fan of Fultz. He was yelling at us last year about about filming him. I just want to see how he performs. He he hasn't come off the bench. You had, you had the stat the other night since, what, April 2014 yep. in the regular season? So he's made $35 million over the past couple of years. That has not been because he's come off the bench, and for an older guy, I, I'll be I'll be curious to see how it works. It's uh, it's not something I agree with, but it's something that I'm certainly going to be interested in. And you know, I'm not like flat out disagreeing with them because, hey, if this works out, and and Markel and Ben kind of figure things out against some of the league's better lineups and they they continue to play well, it would really be like the best of both worlds. Yeah. I, I just I'm not sure that's gonna happen. I mean look, I, I think we all thought that Markel in the starting lineup was something was clearly the end result that everyone hoped would happen. Was was the goal, was why they drafted him number one overall. I just I didn't I didn't necessarily expect it day one. Uh like I said, I hope I hope it means that Brett really is confident in his in his early season success. I hope that what we saw the other night was a, you know, sign of what's to come with his jump shot and his confidence in it and a continued progression of it. Um, we'll it's, see. I mean, teams are going to pressure him though, man. And oh, yeah. in the post, like people are going to be sprinting away from Fultz in the corner and he's going to have that shot. And I, I think the good news is I was a little worried about how quickly he could get it off, but he's going to be wide the F open at least right. to start. Right. So th- there's a chance this does work out, but like, get ready for Boston to just completely start doubling Embiid. Yeah, yeah, and it, it'll be interesting how they react. Like I said, it was it was a little surprising, um, just because that I mean that is a commitment now. If you have to back off of that, it would be you know a little bit of a of, of a blow. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. I I expect them to be more cautious, but it is a. Uh, you know, I, I hope, I really do hope it just means that he is much farther along than we would have expected two weeks ago. Um, from, from an aesthetic standpoint with the offense, I love the little wrinkle of playing Ben Simmons at the four, by the way, or the oh, five, yeah. wherever, yep. you know, wherever one of those two floor spots, they're interchangeable. That, 
you know, they, like that's basically an after timeout play that they'll always have at their disposal. Even though I think Simmons is going to be mainly the point guard when those two play. That's that was an interesting look, and we saw last night Simmons had that alley oop from Embiid. It was I I got high hopes for that that group right there. Yeah, yeah, and I I think everyone's aware of of Simmons' potential off the ball and also his his growth in that. Um, man, it would it would I, I mean look, this team really did. Brett will talk a lot about you know basically being proud that they ran the fewest pick and rolls in the league. But they really did need that skill set. They needed another option to give them uh, when 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 you know their initial play broke down, when their their initial sets break down, or even just late in the clock when they need a you know they need a quality look. They didn't have that skill set at all on the roster. Um, Fultz is unique in that regard. He got to his spots last night. He'll have that pull up jumper. Teams are going to go under that pick and roll and sag off of him all season long. Like you said, they're going to give him that open corner three. Hopefully last night, uh, was a sign of things to come. It really was. I mean, it was, it was, like I said, we can sit here and nitpick for him. It doesn't really matter to me all that much. What matters to me is that he's moving in the right direction and that he has a confidence to take those in games. It was completely unexpected from where we would have been sitting here a week ago. But, uh, and also, by the way, we're still really early. Like I said, he could struggle. He could come out, you know, sh- miss his next five shots outside of the paint. Maybe go back into a little bit of shell. I mean, Brett's been pretty open about this, that he's just, A, he's happy that he's taking them. But B, he also admitted, you know, the other, you know, Friday night, you know, yeah, you've been seeing him do it in practice. You've been seeing it do him in your gym and, and five on five scrimmages. But was it a, a little bit of a relief to see him do it in a live game? And he was like, yeah, it was. Um, so Brett's pretty open about what's going on and, and, and where they are and, and what his concerns are. So far, so good. So far, so good. And by the way, the rest of his game, and I think after after the first preseason game, a lot of people said, oh, well, he doesn't need a jump shot to be good. He doesn't need this, doesn't need that. Look at what else he can do. Yeah. He's, he's good at all other aspects of the game. Re- relax, yeah. Well, he's, he's not Ben Simmons. He's not Ben Simmons, but that also just it, – it, it made it – it reinforced me how important that jump shot is because you look at all the other things he could bring to the table – but a lot of that is dependent on that jump shot and a lot of that his fit with Simmons and Embiid. I mean, look, it's 2018, man. You can't, you can't run post-ups with Embiid and have two perimeter defenders who don't have to guard their man off the ball. Like it's, it's just very hard to do that. You can't ask Ben Simmons to drive when you've got another guard who can constantly pinch down. It's going to make those guys less efficient than they otherwise could be. And to waste the talent that Markel Fultz has, and I think he's extremely talented. Like we've said this constantly. You know, for that, for the last two years, really, from when he was back at Washington, we were getting ready for the draft. To waste that talent because that jump shot doesn't come around would be a huge blow, not only because you gave up two draft picks to get him, but also because of what you could have if this works out. Um, it is incredibly important for that jump shot to work out. It is fun to watch Fultz and Embiid. It seems like they already have a pretty good chemistry together. Um, Fultz, I think one of the first impressions I had in, in Fultz on Friday was the entry passes he was making to Embiid. Like, a lot of times that's tough, and Simmons struggles with that at times, too, because defenders can sag so far off of him. But Fultz was, you know, he was timely, he was decisive, he was getting it in there early before the defense had a chance to really collapse back onto Joel. And I think those two can have a pretty good chemistry, but he has to be able to shoot to fit with those guys. And it's 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 why it's why the other night was such a was such a, a big step. And it was it really was it sounds ridiculous to say, like I said, five of ten on jumpers, one for four from three. It sounds ridiculous to say that that is a monumental step, but that was an absolutely monumental step he took, and it was good to see. 
I've been impressed by his activity level defensively. Not necessarily execution at all times last night. They weren't that sharp, particularly, uh, particularly in the second half, but he really fights around screens and it's see that was an area that was obviously very much lacking at Washington when we weren't really worried about his shooting. But it, it, you know, he's, he's very long. Obviously he's had these two ridiculous blocks already. One where the, the rim microphone caught him saying, give me that shit against, um, <laughs> might be Jerry and Grant or somebody last night. He, yeah, he, he has a chance to be a pretty, pretty good point guard defender and I'm impressed. And, uh, with the pick and rolls, I, they've run a ton of those. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the first couple of games, they're running them in all different areas too. A lot of snug pick and rolls with, uh, with all three of them in combination. Sometimes it's, I think last night they ran one where Fultz set a screen for Simmons, which was cool. And obviously at, at the end of quarters, they like running just spread pick and roll with Embiid and, and Fultz, and then there are a lot of other ways they get it within the offense. But it definitely seems, you know, Brett said this at that luncheon that they were going to run more, especially with Fultz in the offense. If the first couple of games are any indication, it's going to be a, a much bigger part of the offense this year. All right, let's move on to Joel Embiid's play. But before we do that, a quick word from our sponsor, Lightstream. Have you ever looked at your credit card statement and been shocked by the interest rate? And did you know that you could actually roll all of your credit card debt into one monthly payment at a lower fixed interest rate? If this applies to you, pay attention to this next segment as I have something which may help you out. Lightstream offers credit card consolidation loans from 5.89% APR with AutoPay, which is significantly lower than the average credit card interest rate of over 18% APR. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a great interest rate with no fees attached. Get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000, and you can even get your funds the same day that you apply. Having gone through the process myself, I was blown away by how quick, easy, and painless the application was. This is a flexible loan at a great rate that's hassle-free to apply for. Our listeners will get a great discount on top of Lightstream's already low rates. The only way to get this discount is go to lightstream.com slash sixers. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash sixers. This offer is subject to credit approval. Rate includes a 0.5% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash sixers for more information. Okay, back to basketball. Uh, Joel Embiid looks absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and it's, it's less exciting. You kind of touched on this earlier, but we, we, we kind of expected already. I, I think the, the physical shape that he's in is the, um, is the thing to take away. He wasn't making his threes last night, but he was kind of just running around Vucevic. Not, not exactly, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon in his prime by any means, but, he, he just looks like he's in great shape. He, he mentioned last night after the game that, uh, that he thinks he's going to have a big year drawing fouls because holy shit, they called 8 billion fouls last night. <laughs> and that's part of the, uh, the new directive for the NBA officials is to legislate, you know, off ball movement, post contact, things like that. He could have a big year in terms of that, but yeah, like I, I think. You know, if he stays healthy, he's mentioned that he wants to be in the MVP conversation. He looks fucking awesome. So <laughs> who am I to argue with that being his ceiling? It's, it, he, he can be that good. The, uh, he's just, he's very active and 
I, you know, I think that's part of the reason they decided to try and run Fultz and Simmons in the starting lineup is because they know they have Embiid on the back line and in the post to kind of smooth over any issues that they might have. But yeah, he looks great. I don't really have anything more else to add to it though. Looks like he, so, so far, you know, 20 and 10 in the opening game. Uh, I think it was 21 and 7 against the Magic, both of them around 23 minutes of play. He is shooting 14 for 17 from two-point range so far while getting the line. I think he had six the first night, six free throws the first night, then three. The second game, three-point shot hasn't been going in so far. But, you know, I think a lot of people, well, how can he, how can he be playing bully ball when he's shooting four to five three-pointers a game? And maybe last night you would have cut back one or two of them. But I think the key is that when he's getting the ball, he's just, he's establishing that position way deeper in the post. He's not wasting any time in backing his man down. And he's just, he's just overpowering people. Like it has been really impressive to see. It didn't matter who Orlando threw at him. And, and again, we're not, you know, this isn't, he's not going up against Rudy Gobert here. Like we all, we all understand that. And I think, I think Bamba's going to be real good, but right now he's at a pretty serious mass disadvantage. Against a guy like Embiid. Embiid let him know about it. <laughs> yes, he did. But it doesn't, he's gonna have a lot of physical mismatches. And at times last year, he didn't take advantage of those. And I think a lot of it comes down to his conditioning. Uh, because it takes, even if you have an advantage down low, it takes a lot of energy out of you to bang like that. And I think if he comes into camp this season in much better shape, more prepared to go because he's been playing five on five basketball for a while, and then channels that, into a mentality that only kind of comes and goes in his first two seasons. I mean, he could end up in a top three to five in MVP voting based on his talent. And if he does that, you know, a lot of people, now that Markell is, is kind of showing signs of life and that he could be a contributor and maybe down the line end up being the, the person that you hoped he would be when you traded for him, a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, the Sixers' ability to elevate their play and to match Boston is going to come from Markell. And that's true. It could come from Markel. It could also, you know, come from Joel taking another leap and, and really taking was a, a, a very good to great season last year into an MVP type season this year. And I think if you were to look at on off numbers, some of that would suggest MVP caliber play. But I think there were pretty serious holes in his game, you know, mostly conditioning, staying on the court and turnovers, where if he improves upon that, like you could, I mean, he could end up being good enough where this team could take a pretty massive jump just based on his play. And I think through two games, and again, one against non-NBA team, one against uh, Vucevic, but I think against two games, he's he's shown that he is ready to take that leap, and that could be enormous for the team. It really could. You don't think Corey Jefferson signed off the street, apparently, showed up <laughs> at the arena and, and didn't have his name on the back of the jersey as NBA caliber competition? No. Like I said, no. when when they were missing Boone, and you said, "Oh man, that's a huge deal," you kind of realized how much, uh, you know, how much this team wasn't ready to compete on the interior. Yeah the the thing I like about his post game, and God, how many times have we heard bully ball from <laughs> eight thousand different people Constantly. already? I'm getting sick of it. So I I think he's kind of combining the power and the finesse game. Sometimes it felt like last year it was one or the other where he'd throw his body into somebody and just try and get a foul or he'd try and finesse his way into a foul. Like he's had a couple really nice moves where 
he takes about three hard dribbles, sticks either his butt or his shoulder into the the defender and moves him, you know, closer to the rim. But then he'll step through and just lay it in, which is something he can do because he's seven foot two and so skilled. Uh, that that has been encouraging. There have been other times where he's just said, "Screw it, I'm just going to run through you, and you're going to have to foul me at some point." It's it's got to be tricky, man. Like I, I understand people always want to say, you know, be a bully, Joel, and just throw your shoulder into him. Well, you get offensive fouls doing that too, and that's you know that that that's hard to deal with. He it seems like he's got a better understanding of when to initiate contact, how to do it without fouling, ways he can kind of scoot around people. And again, only two games, but that that would be exciting because he's already a really damn good post-up player, especially in this this league. If he can take another step there, you know, they, they're talking a lot about the schematic changes defensively, what they're going to do against five-out lineups. We'll see how that goes. They, the teams they played really haven't had a true five out. Maybe we'll get to see that a little bit against Dirk if he plays the five in um, in China. But another way that you can chip away against that advantage from the Celtics is if Al Horford is guarding you, you just score on him every time. And, you know, seems like they've thought a lot about trying to beat Boston this summer, and that is a big part of it. And. I think the early, especially the conditioning, the early results are very encouraging. Yeah, and by the way, another way they can get more competitive with Boston than they were in last series, don't have Joel Embiid in a fucking mask in the playoffs. I think that would be a that would be a help too. I do I do I, not think he was at a hundred percent. I went paintballing for the first time in my life a few weeks ago. It's those masks, man. They're they're not easy to see people through. I'm, I'm hoping, I can't imagine shooting a basketball. I'm hoping Joel's was a little more geared towards basketball than that, but yes, they can be. Uh, they can be No, it was the exact same kind. <laughs> I, I checked. Yeah, but I really was thinking about that though. Like while I was missing people left and right and getting lit up by paintballs, I was thinking, man, that's. I, I could see why he was. He was basically taking that mask off every other play. And then, uh, and then, who was it who tried to step on it? Was that Winslow? Who tried to crush yes. it in midcourt? Yeah, that was some action. That was some great theater down in Miami. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, I mean, he, he would toss it every third play in yeah. onto the bench. And literally, I, I forget one of the assistant coaches or Brett or a player would have to like walk back on the court and be like, look, you can't play. If you don't want this thing. <laughs> all right. Um, you know, I think Ben, we all know Ben, uh, Dario is struggling a little bit from the field. Cub is. Cub, although I think I think he made a couple of pull-up jumper attempts that he might not have tried in previous years, which is good to see. But I think two of the key takeaways, you know, Landry Shamit, he played only the fourth quarter in the first game, and then Bayless and Chandler go down. Now he's getting first quarter minutes. What did you think of his play the other night, and and really both nights, but specifically last night since he had a much bigger role? Well, we knew he was a good off-ball mover and good shooter. Which fits in, it's what this team needs. It's, we spent 25 minutes talking about the weird fit between Ben and Markel. Well, you know, Landry, he can definitely shoot the hell out of the ball. It's, uh, it's an awkward, it's an awkward time. The Chandler injury is not, it, that didn't come at a great time for the Sixers just because you would have liked to have seen him kind of get some chemistry in the regular rotation before going down. Luckily, it seems like it's going to be, 
you know, a few weeks to a month, so it's not going to be like he's out half the season or anything. But, yeah, they're going to have to go smaller now with those win combinations, and Bayless got the first shot at it the other night, and then he got hurt. So, I, you know, I thought he looked good. I, You know, he made two jumpers last night. He had a nice one kind of off movement, and then, you know, if you stick him in the corner and you leave him open, he'll make that shot. For him, it, it's just, I, you know, you, you worry about defensively how he's going to hold up. And, look, last night I thought he competed pretty well, but that wasn't a real game. So, and and just going from, you know, I don't think Chandler is necessarily a defensive stopper, but he's also way bigger than than Shemet, which which helps. So I you know I, I I suspected that he might be the first guy to to get a look in that spot, and and it was a good start. But you know it's it's going to come down to how he defends. Yeah, I mean he's really comfortable coming off the of screens, which is great to see. I love I love those perimeter shooters who can do that and are comfortable with that. He also has you know I think part of the reason he wasn't necessarily on my radar as a first round pick. Is besides the defensive concerns, which, which we'll get to, but he was also a little missed, like he was, you weren't entirely sure what he was going to play. Like he didn't have the strength to defend most twos in the league or the athleticism. And he also, for as much as he was a, a, a good pick and roll player in college, you didn't know how well that was going to translate. Well, at this stage, he doesn't, because of Ben Simmons and how unique the Sixers lineup construction is, you don't have to worry about that. And he's comfortable shooting coming off of screens, but he's also, if they, you know, jump that screen. He's also comfortable putting the ball in the deck and, you know, using one or two dribbles, to get to an, uh, another spot for a shot, using that rotation to find an open guy. Like he, 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 I'm not sure he's ever going to be the pick and roll player. He was in college. I don't think he will be, but I think he, that may have, you know, prepared him to attack closeouts and to attack blitzes a little more than, than maybe most off guard two guards would have. So I think his role is going to be good on this. Like, I, I think the Sixers are the right spot for him. And we talk a lot about not only, you know, who's the right player for a team, but also what team is the right spot for a player. And I think the Sixers might be that right spot for him. Defensively, he's looked fine these first two games. He's also going against an NBL team. And I think he spent most of last night, you know, defending Jerry and Grant. And that's not exactly the most difficult pick and roll assignment you're ever going to get for a young guard coming in the league. So I think there's been a, the right first two games for him to kind of ease into NBA play. But I think he's competed better defensively than I would have thought. And does that mean I have no more concerns or the concerns I have are gone? No. But I think it's been a real good first showing. And for somebody that I have very little to no question about whether or not that shot's going to translate to an NBA level, the fact that he has competed defensively, he has that you know, I think six, seven-ish wingspan. He he does at least move his feet okay. Um, I think my biggest concerns were physicality and whether or not he could defend anyone with size. But like I said, with with the Sixers and their lineup construction, that you know, you might be able to hide him effectively. And if you can, I think he can he can stick in a rotation. I do. When you lose wing depth and particularly I mean, size I mean, look, on the he's, wing, he's a better defender than Marco Bellinelli. So that's a start. That's a start. No question in my mind. That's – I think I'm a better defender than Marco Bellinelli. <laughs> but when you do, when you lose that size on the wing, it, it's pretty nice that your point guard is 6'10 yeah. and can more than credibly guard power forwards. And that's just like – that's a luxury. I think a lot of teams, you know, who who see their, their – some of their fours go down and they're forced to play small – 
they would be hurt much more on the defensive end than the Sixers who can kind of just reshuffle the, the deck chairs a little bit. Yeah, you know, the Spurs for all those years, I don't know why I thought about this, but they always had these kind of undersized shoot-first players who might not have been great defenders or playmakers, but they always seem to find these guys and plug them into their system because the infrastructure was so good. Guys like Gary Neal, even Patty Mills a little bit, uh, recent people like Bryn Forbes, like, you know, I, I'm not saying Shemet, you know, th- those are wildly different caliber of players, but it, it always seems like they, they were able to plug those guys into the lineup and they would have success on bench units. Maybe Shemet turns out to be the Sixers version of that. Yeah, and, uh, and, and look, like, look, if you're, if you're going to have one skill, shooting's not a bad one to have. Right. And l- like you're saying with Ben, 6'10 point guard, your other point guard is a 6'10 wingspan. So you really do have, you, you can, you can, your team defensive concepts and your team defenders can certainly help hide a, a weak defender on the perimeter. Like you said, if, if you're going to have a player with one really good skill, it being shooting is, is, is the easiest one to fit into a rotation. Let's put it this way. I am much more confident in him being a rotation player, not anything like I'm not projecting a future starter, but a guy who can slot in as a rotation guy. I'm higher on him now than I was on the draft and pretty considerably. And considering we've only had training camp and two preseason games, that is certainly a good movement. It, he's, he's been a pleasant surprise. He, he has for sure. And Korkmaz, geez, what was it like 18 points on eight shots, something like that. He certainly has a capability of going off like that. Mostly garbage time, but, uh, you know, we'll see with him. We'll see with him. Yeah. And the other thing too is Shemet's 6'5. So it's easier to hide, you know, Bellinelli, if he was six feet tall, wouldn't be in the NBA because everybody would score on him. Right. Like literally every possession. It's, it's easier to hard, uh, to hide somebody who's 6'5. And it, I just thought he had a willingness to compete on the defensive end that, Maybe we didn't always see at uh, at Wichita, but yeah, he has definitely been a pleasant surprise. And look, he's—I think he's going to get some time to start the year. Yeah, and I mean, it, it really depends on what happens with Chandler and whether this is really a two to three week injury or whether it lingers a little bit. It seems like Bayless is a little more uncertain. It seems like it's it's potentially a little more severe, um, but we have very little information on that, so we'll see. But there are certainly minutes that opened up. And with the size the Sixers have, in terms of their point guard, it, like we were just saying, it opens up a lot of flexibility. And shooting is such a key skill that he will certainly, I think, get a crack at it. And, and let's be real. It's way more exciting that Shamed is playing well and can potentially get those minutes than Bayless. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I, I, you, you never want to see anybody get injured. But, like, if, like you would hope Shamet would have earned those minutes anyway over Bayless. Right. Right. And now, now you don't have to worry about that decision. It's, it's kind of made for them. Uh, all right. 42 minutes into this. Do we want to get into anything else? I think for the most part, those were my main takeaways. We, of course, have two games against the Mavericks coming up overseas at seven, was it 730 a.m. Friday? Oof. I like that. I'll, I'll be honest. I like that. Get the game out of the way. I don't have to travel. If I had to go to the game, it would be a different story. But get the game out of the way. Um, I'm sort of a morning person anyway. Much easier for me to write about a game in the afternoon. I know not everybody has the flexibility where watching basketball is quite literally your job. So I feel for you guys who have to be going to work at that time. 
but I will enjoy myself watching Sixers basketball with a cup of coffee in hand. Yeah, it'll be different. It will. Uh, yeah. All Thank right. God there's only four preseason games, by the way. Yeah. So. A couple of years back, you play six, seven, just too much. Get on with yeah. it. Um, Think about it. We got 43 minutes out of out of two games. One of them against an NBL team. That's right. Wouldn't need any more than that. Yeah, we got Boston in two weeks, man. Two weeks. It feels like you go from that from zero to 80 in the blink of an eye here in in in, in the early fall. But I'm happy that we are here. I'm happy that we have this back in our lives because there was a hole missing um, in my heart. But thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man. Contacted, I attract clientele. My mic check is life for death, breathing the sniper's breath. I exhale, but you almost smoke a Buddha through righteous steps.